1: NY or text hope NY
2: in New York. Hello, this is Justin Williams with the WolfPacker podcast. I'm joined today as always by editor of the wolfpacker.com and fellow co-host Matt Carter. Today we're going to break down NC State's upcoming week 4 opponent, Yukon the Huskies come to Carter Friendly Stadium on Saturday night at 7:30 p.m. Um, for what should be another tune-up opportunity for the pack as it gets ready for week five against clemson we will talk about uconn what to expect in this game might even peek ahead just a, a little bit into the future in week five and uh, we'll also start off by recapping uh for upon further review what we what else we've gathered from that texas tech win in week three but before we do that just some quick reminders for the listeners and viewers at home uh please subscribe rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to us we're on apple spotify google play wherever you listen to podcasts we're there so please uh go do that and support the pod we're also uh in video form on youtube so you can watch this podcast whenever you like please subscribe to your youtube channel and give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment while you're at it you guys have been doing a great job of that so please Keep up the great work. We appreciate all of the engagement on these podcasts. Uh, last but not least, head over to thewolfpacker.com. Sign up for a special one-year deal for just a buck. Uh, gets you a full year of premium subscription to the wolfpacker.com. All the great work at the On3 Network. Um, premium information, recruiting news, the latest and greatest, everything NC State Athletics. Uh Matt Carter and Ethan McDowell put in so much work and have a lot of great content and a lot of it's premium. So you can't, you can't get it for free, but for just a dollar you can get that content. So head over there, support them, support the Wolfpacker and uh, take advantage of that special deal. All right, Matt, let's, uh, let's kick off with a, maybe in a pond further review. Cause kind of like week two, Charleston Southern, right. um, you know, I'm I'm sitting here looking at my notes and saying, well, there's really not a whole lot to talk about UConn other than the fact that uh, UConn is one in three entering this matchup. Uh, it's lone win coming against FCS Connecticut or Central Connecticut State, um, 28 to three win over what looks to be the. The blue devils or the devils of some sort i am just looking at their logo on espn here kind of look kind of look like the blue devils but not duke uh coming off a 59 to 0 loss in the big house to michigan uh before that lost 48 14 to syracuse and lost in week one 31 20 to utah state now you know respectable ending there but this is the same utah state team that uh I think got got blown out fifty five to zip by Bama. Um, they also
3: just lost the Weber State in the FCS by four touchdowns.
2: Ah, so uh, they're not. They're also not very good. No. So uh, I guess the, the conclusion I'm going to is that UConn's not very good, and we probably don't need to spend a whole lot of time talking about them. Um, but let's let's start with it. Upon further review, Matt, you've you've now had. Uh, a few days to reflect here on that late night, uh, mm-hmm. game between the pack and, and the red Raiders. So, you know, anything coming out of Dave Doran's Monday availability or anything else that is kind of you've thought about this week that you didn't bring up on the, on the uh, postgame reflections podcast that you'd kind of like to kick us off with,
3: uh, you know, not necessarily anything new, but more reaffirmation of probably what you and I talked about Sunday. Um, You know, I think we talked to Tim Beck, we're recording Wednesday. I'm actually in the lobby of the indoor practice facility with the big screen TV over my head. If anybody's wondering, this is not my house, that's not my TV. Um, But, you know, probably not as much concern, at least being expressed outwardly, about the offense and the performance against Texas Tech. and, And a few things that I think, Probably uh, uh bear out that need to be worth reminding is that they were, they did, you know, they like to say they would have 14 more points if the two touchdowns, one fumbled away, one taken off by a penalty, you know, had happened as drawn up. A little bit misleading. It would actually have been 10, uh, 10 points because they did get a field goal out of the, uh, the one uh, possession where Anthony Belton got with blocking. Uh, pretty much through the end zone, apparently, when the touchdown pass was going to Devin Leary. Um, mm-hmm. But there was, you know, just a general feeling, look, if they, if they get touchdowns on those two possessions, you know, they'll probably push them 40 points in the game and nobody's talking about how the offense is sluggish or not in rhythm or anything like that. So um, i more of a... a kind of looks just little things, little details. It's not a big picture issue on offense. It's just more uh, eliminating penalties, eliminating turnover, those types of things. Um, And also, you know, I got Tim Beck, I asked him straight up, did the play calling in in the second half kind of change based on circumstance? You're playing an up-tempo Texas Tech team. Um, was have more of it, you know, I didn't use this word, I'm just paraphrasing myself here, but more of an effort to be a bit more methodical ball control and offense. And he said, absolutely. And he said, you know, people probably didn't like the way the offense looked. I looked at it and we had the ball for 19 minutes and, uh, scored one touchdown and should have scored two touchdowns. Um, and against Texas Tech, which had the ability to score quickly. You know, we have control of the game. Let's not do anything to lose the game now. And let's not do anything to give them an opportunity to win the game. That um, so they had to be smart about how they approached it in the second half. So um, I do think those things maybe factor into how the offense looked, as I look upon further review. But, you know, I think it pretty much played out like we saw it played out. State with a better team. The defense rose up to the occasion, played with an elite effort, as Tony Gibson said yesterday. And. And the offense has some things to work through.
2: Yeah, and, and that kind of football, it's not the most uh, it's not the most entertaining to watch. So that I think that's kind of part of the reason for the concern. Um, you see it in the NFL all the time when a team has a game in hand. The smart coaches will go the game on the football. They will take the air out of the ball. I mean that. I'm sitting here on the west coast watch the 49ers on sunday they had a stinker of a game against the Seahawks the most exciting thing that happened was unfortunately rookie quarterback Trey Lance got hurt for the season Jimmy comes in they go up by a couple touchdowns in the second half they, they had a 8 minute drive in the fourth quarter and that that's kind of what NC State was trying to do with Texas Tech uh, so i you know i see that i agree with that i think it's smart coaching it's winning football that said, I'd push back maybe a little bit on the on the two touchdowns that were reversed. I'd probably say, you know, e- even if those go the different way, I think we're having a different conversation. We're saying, look, NC State put up almost forty points. Maybe there's not as much criticism about the offense, but none of those none of those neither of those plays changed really any of the stats in the passing game exactly. or showed yeah. how much explosiveness was in the passing game. The one that was played called back was a trick play with Thayer Thomas to Devin Leary. You know, it's great to see you'd like to have those points, but trick plays don't really tell me anything about your offense. You can only run them, but so often. And then uh, the second one was sumo. I mean, he still gets credit for all you know about 50 of those yards. He just dropped it right before he went into the end zone. So really the only statistical difference that made was the final score, yeah. um, which of course is the most important stat, but I think most of the conversation this week and, and, you know, going into the Clemson game, because it doesn't really matter what NC state does against UConn, Devin Leary could throw for 500 yards. And I still think there's going to be questions of, okay, well, great. Can you do it against Clemson? So I think that's the main concern is that, you know, the defense looks like it's living up to all of the preseason expectations. And maybe looks even a little bit better than we thought. Whereas the offense, you know, all of the expectations going into this year is devin leary's going to have another step up type season he had i mean the passing game was towards the top of the acc last year if you expect an improvement you'd expect it to be one of the best if not the best passing offense in the acc and it's just been far from that so far not saying they can't correct that not saying they can't change that but when is that change going to happen if it's going to happen or is it going to be a pivot in the offensive system but um yeah, I, I mean, and I think that leads us into uh, you know a good way to talk about this game because that is what I'm looking for the most is I want to see NC State come out in the first half, be explosive through the passing game because look you're playing a team that you should beat by 40. It doesn't you, you don't you don't really need to play what the defense gives you. You just I mean you it, it's it's a nice dress rehearsal right? You play the pl- run the play calls that you want to see the most development with. It doesn't really matter how much you beat UConn by. As long as you beat them comfortably and you can bench the starters in the second half, find a way to get that chemistry going between Leary and those receivers because uh, if you can get him connected with Devin Carter, if you can get him connected with... I mean, he seems already connected with Thayer Thomas. I think that might be more of like a targeting-type issue, play-calling-type, you know, make more attempts to get him the ball. Uh, But Anthony Smith, Julian Gray... Building that chemistry down the road is going to pay dividends in the ACC play. Yeah, and I'm going to give you a stat about
3: Connecticut that I ran up this morning. You are in the last two games against two good teams, I happen to think right now Syracuse makes the case for being a borderline top 25 team. Probably a little bit fortunate to win at home against Purdue. You
2: you didn't? I don't know if you saw the end of that Purdue game, but that was
3: I saw it, and you're a little bit lucky that Purdue self-imploded there to let Syracuse. But the bottom line is they have beaten um, Louisville handedly at home. Um, they beat Connecticut handedly on the road and beat a respectable Big Ten team at home. That same Big Ten team almost beat Purdue. And calling,
2: per- calling Purdue respectable is maybe not something we can say for much longer, but continue.
3: <laughs> but I will say that, that Purdue team had Penn State beat until the last.
2: They've lost it both of their games on the last drive. And
3: um, again, But... Um, Yeah, yeah. Two good teams. Obviously, we know the Wolverines are good. Um, You you mentioned the score of those games, but the total yards in those two games, Connecticut had 312 total yards combined. If you do the math, that's about 156 yards. That is 156 yards per game, total offense. Uh, The other teams had... Syracuse and Michigan, 935 total yards. So, whereas UConn was averaging 156 yards per game, their opponents were averaging over 460 yards per game. So, it's not just in the score. What you're seeing statistically is the opponents are moving the ball up and down the field, and UConn is having a hard time moving the football at all. Um, And so, this is a game of... Let's get ourselves right once again. You know, we, we uh they looked a lot better against Texas Tech than they did against East Carolina, right? So they used Charleston Chatden to get a little bit right, um, particularly on defense with the tackling and all that, and looked a whole lot better against uh Texas Tech. Now use Connecticut to get <clears throat> get some more things right, especially on offense to get better against Connecticut. I think that's kind of the goal here. I mean, you have to take care of business. You cannot be, you know, assuming anything. You have to come out. I think that's going to be the key. is, is Are we motivated to play this game? Uh, we all know where it is on the schedule. You just were very hyped up to play Texas Tech at the Stadium with Electric, from all accounts. And next week, you're playing Clemson. In between, is <laughs> Connecticut that has won since 2016. Their record is 11-52 um you know it's it it's you just gotta find a way to get yourself up to play this game i think being a night game will help because they'll have all day to kind of amp up to be ready to play but um and then to add to insult to injury to poor connecticut you really feel for them they lost their starting quarterback in the first game of the year against utah state they had a good running back named nathan carter who uh had three really nice games, including against Syracuse, and he was up over 400 yards rushing when he hurt his shoulder in Ann Arbor. Um, and he will be out multiple weeks. And so, they're without their starting quarterback, they're without their quality running back. They're having to turn to a true freshman quarterback who was playing high school football in South Florida this time a year ago against NC State's defense. Yeah, good luck to the young man. He was a 4 16 passing. Against the Wolverines last week, Hmm. Uh, so it is a kind of a get right type of game. Um, Try to get through the game healthy, see if you can stay through it motivated, and to kind of analyze. Okay, where the passing game better than say Charleston Southern? I think that's where you have to compare it to, right? Yeah, Uh, I told um, you know Chip Alexander from the Newton of Jova and I were talking before uh, availability on the Wednesday. kind of joked about uh, Charleston Southern and Connecticut would be a, a good game. And then I kind of clarified, maybe not a good game, but a competitive game. Um, and so maybe compare how you looked against Connecticut versus how you looked against Charleston Southern. Um, if there's any kind of struggle, that's not a promising sign. So maybe beyond the first quarter. I mean, you might see a UConn team, they're back against the wall. They're tired of getting their asses kicked. New coach, firing them up, you know, they'll come out here, swing them, you know, throwing haymakers early before the talent takes over. But uh, even that seems kind of far-fetched.
2: Well, I agree. It's, a, it's another Charleston Southern game with, you know, maybe the only difference being that an average athlete on the UConn sideline might be a little bit higher caliber. It than, will be uh, a Charleston Southern, just in the sense that you are getting some uh, FBS level athletes versus, you know, playing an FCS opponent. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I would expect a similar final score. Yukon's uh, going to have trouble scoring the ball at all. So, um, you know, how quickly do you pull the defensive starters? I think that's, I think that's another, and it's not an easy, it's not an easy choice to make because, you know, if you want to be conservative about it and I mean, heck you could, you could even make the decision to just not play a paper Wilson or any of the guys that, you know, are, were banged up recently or just kind of, you know, getting right with mentally. Um, but you can't really do that. Cause then it's, you kind of take them out of them out of a rhythm before a big, big game in week five. And especially, you know, a guy like Wilson, I mean, he played last week, played the whole game. He doesn't have any designation on him, so you can't – I mean, I guess you could you know, save him for week five, like load management, but we don't really see that at the college level that much. I'm sure he'll want to play a home game. Um, but do you take him out after the first half? Do you, I mean, if you're up 30-0 to zero in the second quarter, I mean, do you go ahead and pull the starters then? Um, I think you want you know,
3: to get the, at least one series in the second half because kind of the old adage, you know, you want to get him out of halftime, still in that routine of – playing after halftime, you know, the whole get, get, sit down, come back up and play after the break. But yeah, and in that circumstance, I think ideally it's like Charleston him, right? Both, both started, started got maybe a drive or two in the second half and then they were done. And, uh, I think that's the best case scenario and it could happen. It very well could happen. The other best case scenario is that Connecticut commits to trying to run the football, unlike Charleston Shadow. So that we're not laboring through a nearly four hour long fifty five to three football. Oh no,
2: you gotta you gotta keep trying to play to win the game. You know, <laughs> when you're down six touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh you know. Keep firing, man. Keep firing. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh but yeah. I will
3: say one thing you mentioned about the better athlete, Connecticut Statistically, according to Po Football Focus, has to put a good offensive line. So they, that's one thing for the Husky to kind of hang their hat on is they have some of the best graded offensive linemen in college football. So, um, so yeah, maybe one thing that you could say nice about Connecticut. I'm trying.
2: Look, they, I mean, they got you know Jim Moran in as the new head coach. Seems like the right guy to maybe turn that program around. I mean, I can remember in my lifetime UConn being a, at least a competent team. Oh yeah, not not anything to you know not, not not like BCS bowl type team, but a team that could you know make a bowl game and compete yeah. back. You know, back in the day, I can remember. I think I remember NC State playing UConn up in stores and not Glenn, being Glenn, a competitive game.
3: Yeah, Mike Glennon and them traveled up there. I want to say 2011. Um, I believe it. the week after they lost to uh, Tennessee in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and the winds apparently were howling so much that day that New York offense could do anything It end up being a 10-7 game. By the way, Mike Glennon, are, are the 49ers going to sign him, Justin? I know he worked out for the 49ers yesterday. They need a quarterback to back up. Uh, him.
2: They could. Uh, so here's the situation for the Niners. They've got now Jimmy Garoppolo back under center as their, you know, luxury, luxury backup. But behind him, you've got Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant from this year's draft, the last pick of the 2022 <laughs> NFL draft. Uh, now Purdy is impressed. Kyle Shanahan in training camp. But, you know, when you've got a roster that's capable of going to a Super Bowl, and you're one play away from handing the keys to a guy that's never taken an NFL snap in his life and was the last pick of the draft, that doesn't exactly inspire confidence. Uh, They have have signed uh, a former Virginia guy um, who has also never played a snap of NFL football in his life but has jumped around the league to a couple different teams. I think he's on the practice squad now. Um, So it wouldn't shock me to see a guy like Mike Glennon get signed. He worked Um, out. He worked out. So did Kelvin Harmon. The
3: 49ers must have some uh, some NC State love in the scouting department.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, they've got – I mean, they've had uh, Dante Johnson for Mm -hmm. a while. Contagious Um, Street
3: was on the team for a little bit. No
2: longer on the team, but was on the team for a bit. So, yeah, yeah, we could – you know, Carlos Rodon playing at Oracle Park. right He's
3: going to play for the Cubs next year. Okay. Good luck. Him and Trey Turner reunited really on my favorite, favorite team. But to your point, yes, Connecticut was a uh, competent team. I mean, well, look when NC State scheduled this home and home, nobody blinked an eye about it. It was a perfectly acceptable, fine home and home to, to have on your schedule. Connecticut was that, you know, team that, kind of like you might might view Temple now, right? I mean, the kind of a, at times they can be good and get into a bowl game. There, or East Carolina, more local. You know yeah. they were they were on par with all with all of that. In the 2016 season, it fell off the map, and they just have not recovered. And it kind of inexplicable. I don't know. You know, uh, I, think, I do think they they will have to make some hard decisions, probably in Connecticut down the road about where they want to take this football program. Do they want to keep playing paying this much money? But um, um, yeah yeah it, it's going to be uh interesting but and actually nc state goes back there next year at the other part of the home and home so um we'll see how much improvement we'll see up close how much improvement they've made but uh yeah it'll be interesting
2: oh, i'm sure i will i'm sure you've been counting down the days until <laughs> you can you can go on that road trip um yeah. up the stores but uh, i guess good way to wrap up this podcast uh Let's do game day watch for next week. So, I think I, if I'm reading this correctly, from from one of your tweets, ESPN basically kicked the can down the road for giving a time out for NC State Clemson. Uh, I would I would assume that that's based on the results of what happens this week, including what happened. You know, we know NC State's going to beat UConn. Knock on wood. Mm. That seems to be kind of a given. And uh, Clemson's got an interesting game at Wake Forest, Um, although Demon Deacon struggled against Liberty last week. Maybe maybe they were looking ahead. Who knows? Typically, Clemson doesn't have much issue with Wake Forest. Kind of a physicality difference there, just a caliber of athlete-type difference there. But uh, that being said, you know, if Wake Forest pulls the upset, obviously game day is not going to go to Clemson next week. Um, but if these two teams win, what, what's your confidence meter, Matt? Can you see game day going to Clemson, and do you see it? I mean, could it be a prime time? Could it be a prime time game on ABC and not be the game day game?
3: Yeah, I've done that before. I mean, look, I think the first game they were at Ohio State, Notre Dame, and that was a Fox telecast, right? Noon telecast for Fox. Yeah. Um. You know, look, they're about to spend a heck of a whole lot of money on the SEC too Um, and the SEC the other option would be Alabama Arkansas Um, so you know kind of building up that that goodwill with that with uh, you know going to Arkansas which is not a traditional SEC stopping point for a game day would would also play a role and I, I don't know how much they take into other considerations are they looking at weather because Justin knows I like my weather, and there's uh, some early, early concerns about a tropical system that's kind of right now down there by the Caribbean islands that might be scooping in, uh, uh, scooting into the Caribbean Sea and up through the Gulf of Mexico, and if you, you extrapolate the timing of it, you think that it could become a rainstorm for the Carolinas right around Friday, Saturday, next week.
2: So you're saying... Uh... Look ahead, maybe take the under.
3: But uh, look, if Texas a and beats Arkansas. I don't know what other choice Game Day has. Uh, yeah. I mean, they do have. They do spend a lot of money on the ACC too, and it's worth the investment to, to the ACC be as good as possible. Um, and that would be, you know, if Texas A&M beats Arkansas, then NC State top ten in the coaches poll. Um, and probably number 11 at worst in the AP poll. So at that point, you're looking at a team that might be top a, a top 10 matchup. Uh, and then at that point, I think it would have to be a slam dunk that it's coming to Clemson. So, you know, I think 50 50, maybe slightly under if Arkansas wins, bet the house on it if Texas AM wins. And of course, Clemson got to be worked for it. So that's the other aspect of all of this. So.
2: All right. Well, we'll, we'll stay tuned. I'm kind of expecting a primetime game there, but wouldn't, wouldn't mind an earlier game. I don't
3: yeah. They, 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 they it, I think it'll either be three thirty 30 or, or prime time. Uh, I hadn't looked to see what the other games they've designated uh, for what times yet. So I don't know if they've already had something set up for noon or for three thirty or for prime time. Um, so without knowing that I would assume 3:30 or or prime time um and and that'll make the de- you know make the decision and then
2: they go from there. Well we will see. Uh we'll be back this weekend for a post game reflections podcast for NC State Yukon so tune in 7:30 p.m. uh is it another RSN game. Yeah. Matt? Mm-hmm. Yep, so Bally Ballet Sports for those in North Carolina and the Raleigh area. Um, seven thirty PM if you're not a, if you're not at Carter Finley Stadium, that is. Good good tailgate week. Good tailgate week. Weather is
3: gonna week. be unbelievable this weekend. Like saying this is the fall weekend if Justin's missing it, but you know, he lives in San Francisco, so they have nice weather most most of the year. But I think the high on Saturday, like seventy five, seventy six, low humidity, it's that perfect oh. perfect. You might even need a long sleeve shirt to get through the through the evening portions of the game. So it, that's perfect. Yeah, perfect weather.
2: And you know, when do they still do the halftime passes? Is that yeah. still a thing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. we're not yeah. going to go yeah. down
3: that can of warm, Justin. So just, I'm just oh, saying, if, <laughs> it's, five, a, if it's a
2: blowout, if it's a blowout, yeah. maybe so have an extra up. one at halftime. Okay. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, last reminders subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts Apple, Spotify, Google Play. We're also in video form on YouTube. So please subscribe to this YouTube channel, the Wolfpacker YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment while you're at it. Uh, we're on social media. You can follow our main account at The Wolfpacker on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Justin H. Will on Twitter. Give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on the Wolfpacker.com. Last but not least, take advantage of that special deal at TheWolfPacker.com. For just a dollar, you get a year's worth of premium subscription to TheWolfPacker.com. All the great content, part of the On3 network. So uh, premium NC State athletics information, football, men's basketball, women's basketball, all the sports really, insider information. As soon as the information comes out, as soon as the murmurs, you, you hear the whispers out there in West Raleigh, then... It's going on the Wolfpacker message board. So be part of the conversation. Take advantage of that deal for just a dollar. Get a year's worth of premium subscription to wolfpacker.com. All right. That's going to do it for this podcast. We'll see you guys this weekend. For Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast. Madness is here.
0: Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game
1: com in Kansas, one 770 stop in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here, visit gamblinghelpline ma.org, or call 800 327 5050 twenty four seven support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-